G'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Wednesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, the big infrastructure announcement happening today. Will it be anything like enough? Uh, face masks going off the shelves like hotcakes. Uh, what is Goop, and why is Hosking watching it? And why does he want to watch Taylor Swift? But before any of that, uh, he's been looking at the coalition and he thinks they're about to crack. Marama Davidson, as we told you yesterday, announced she is giving the Auckland Maori electorate of Tamaki Makaurau another crack. She stood the last couple of elections lost to Labour. Uh, whether this year's any different is going to be very interesting because Penny Hanare, under fire over Fana Aura, of course, and the seat covers Ihemotau, which according to some has a deal done and dusted, or at least that's what they told us over a week ago. But interestingly, given what Winston said on this particular program, nothing yet, and nothing before Waitangi Day. But Marama, of course, is one of those that supported the occupation. In fact, she was one of the more ironic sights, if you remember, at the site of the protest. She was down there with her fellow green hand-ringers, the ever-earnest Golris and Chloe, demanding the government sort the issue out, perhaps so swept up in the emotion of the event they forgot they were the government, or at least part of it. So how many are there in the electorate that see things the way she does, and therefore does her support this time round increase. Well, either way, although it's her right to stand, of course, the Greens aren't famous for winning actual electorates. In fact, outside Jeanette Fitzsimons all those years ago in Coromandel, they haven't won any. So why take on your coalition partner and make it harder for yourself? And that's before we get to the swipe she took at Shane Jones in New Zealand first over his handling of Parney and Newton, the protest organiser who he seemed to dismiss, also on the show, with an offhand insult. Such an insult, the obligatory open letter got sent by a usual array of academia and activists calling him a bully and demanding an apology. Hope you're patient, because it ain't coming. And then, of course, the Jones uh, James Shaw clash over meat and climate change and our diets and saving the world by eating less steak. So all in all, the Greens are lining themselves up as a forceful opponent against those they're supposed to be mates with and running the country with, which, of course, goes to show just how fraud Fraughtened, what a fraud this whole thing is. Yes, the Greens and Labour get along okay, I guess, but New Zealand First is increasingly the odd one out, don't you think? It's not a natural fit or anything close to it. And that's where this year potentially gets a bit pear-shaped, especially given there isn't a poll going that has New Zealand First above 5% at the moment. They need to campaign hard, and that's where the fractious nature of this whole faux setup is going to get truly exposed. Merriman has started it. You wait till August. Gloves will be off, and all the stuff they've kept hidden until now will be part of a political bloodbath. Yeah, I've tried to take leave until after September, but can't seem to quite get that across the board, unfortunately. It's not my favourite, watching all these pollies you know, go at each other, to be fair. Uh, I tell you what I would like to see done is uh, these roads all finished. Uh, is that going to happen, or is $12 billion just a drop in the bucket? For the government today, they're dropping a shitload of cash. Not their cash, not our cash, sadly. But it will be, as of today, our debt. Stephen Joyce, eh? Called it before the last election, the $11 billion hole. He was called out for politicking, electioneering, being negative. Economists poo-pooed the idea there was no hole. Well, was there a hole or was there a hole? This government inherited surpluses and large ones. A rock star economy. The HSBC's words, not mine. And within two years, they've blown the lot. So much so, they're into the debt market, raising $12 billion for today's big reveal. Now, it's not the end of the world. I mean, we don't owe a lot as a country. The government debts about 20% of GDP. The government can borrow at about 1.5% these days. So they've got room and they can afford the repayments. But we can do all of this because for the past 20 years, we've finally woken up to the fact that debt can be bad, especially if you're reliant on debt and increase your debt every year and you can't and haven't run a surplus. And if you're smart, 
You'll keep the books in the sort of shape needed to weather a Christchurch earthquake or a GFC. Most countries don't, of course, hence the World Bank has already this year raised the red flag around global debt and its potential to sink us. So the attitude of this government towards debt, especially so soon after their arrival in office and the cash splash that they've been on, is disappointing. But then we come to the politics of it all. $12 billion in election year, raining money. So is it worth votes? Well, that depends. Tax cuts are worth votes, but today isn't about tax cuts. It's about hospitals and trains and roads, and none of that is happening before you vote. So what they're selling you on today is the concept, the idea that stuff is getting done, and that depends on what sort of stuff. Now, there's infrastructure, and there's infrastructure. A road is an excellent investment. It provides work for those building it. It pumps money into the local economy, especially if the road is rural, and it pays its way in years to come through increased productivity and business. A cycleway isn't as good an investment because although it provides work, no one uses it, therefore the return isn't there. So the key today, the big thing for today, see what's getting a return and see what's an ideological indulgence. Well, if I can get to and from work more efficiently, I consider that to be a return. Um, if things can get transported around the place more efficiently, that's got to be a return. Surely we're making more money out of that, aren't we? Somebody's making a hell of a lot of money producing face masks at the moment, but are they actually doing anything? This face mask thing is a funny business, isn't it? They had a person in Seattle who'd returned from China, got a bit ill, and then all of a sudden you couldn't buy a face mask in Seattle for love nor money. There are reports that pharmacies in New York have run out of face masks stockpiling is going on in Los Angeles. And, of course, the great question is, do face masks actually work? And, and from what I've been able to read, the, the broad answer is no, not really. Uh, if it prevents, if somebody comes up to you and sneezes in your face, then it probably is effective. But in and usually gen- when that happens, shouldn't you just punch that person yeah, in their exactly. face? exactly. A face mask isn't of much use at that particular point. But... This general concept that if you just don a face mask and wear it a lot all the time, you're somehow going to avoid coronavirus is not how it works. And so it's another good example of people not quite understanding what's actually going on. Apparently Alibaba sold 80 million uh, face masks the other day, just in one day. Um, It's amazing how many people do wear face masks all the time. Uh, Just um, what does it smell like in there? Uh, how often are you changing it or cleaning it or what do you do with it? So much going on in the world, I don't understand. So the last thing I need is Gwyneth Paltrow's website. And I certainly don't need a television ab- program about it. I watched another um, half episode yesterday of Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop. This you, is the, you went back for more. I went back for more. She's hooking me in. This is even after the, the oh, episode yeah. about the mirrors for oh, investigating yeah, no. the bits that it's you normally shocking. can't see. Shocking. So the part that I've liked, this is on Netflix, by the way. She's she's a weirdo. And what then, there's nothing wrong with being a weirdo. Having said that. Lucky for you. Yeah. The problem is that the people in her office who do the stuff, so they look, the whole Goop Lab thing, if you don't understand it, is about experimenting with aspects of life that may or may not be beneficial to our health. Uh, uh, Psychedelics, uh, deep breathing, plunging yourself in cold water. And yesterday's episode was about energy, fields of energy around our body and blokes that work with it. It's extraordinary to watch. And some of it's really, really interesting. Some of it's the wackiest stuff you've ever heard. But the problem is, all her staff are insane. And they've all got endless problems. 
and they're all angsty to beat the band. And whenever the person who's doing whatever it is they're doing, and yesterday it was energy fields, goes, now, is there anything I need to know about? They go, oh, well, it's just, it's like a really stressy time. It's been really, you know, busy. And that's all they say. And so she's got a lot of Pakistani stuff. A lot of them. And so you don't really know whether it would work for you and I, regular, ordinary, everyday people, or whether it's just for flakes. But anyway, if you've got Netflix, it's well worth a look because I'm becoming increasingly engrossed in it. I mean, I've tried to get the Hosk over the years to watch some pretty mindless crap, but nothing on that level. And he's always turned me down flat. And now he's gone out of his own accord. And, and that wasn't the end of it. He, he wants more. The other one I'm desperate to watch, which comes out, what's today, 29, comes out in two days' time, is the Tay-Tay documentary. That'll be fascinating, absolutely fascinating insight. Did you hit your head over the summer or something? No, no, because you think about Taylor Swift. I don't want to. Taylor Swift is the artist of a generation. She's one of the few who have emerged in the last decade who will transcend the generation and carry on. Most of them are here today, gone tomorrow. Lizzo. She's here today, gone tomorrow. Lil Nas, I'm watching him at the Grammys the other day with his pink suit. Here today, gone tomorrow. Billie Eilish, here today, gone tomorrow. But Tay-Tay is for the long term. She's a marathon, not a sprint. Anyway, I was going to raise something else that I now don't have time for because Glenn's rocked me up. I mean, surely the thing with Taylor Swift is, and I just find it just so ironic that one of her early hits was a song called Blank Space because... It, that's what I feel like she is in the world of pop culture. She's a blank space. There's, there are some good songs, but not many, and it's, and and no evidence of any kind of personality at all, from what I've seen. Sorry, Taylor. I, I I'm happy you know, to go out with you sometime, and you can prove me wrong. I'm sure you're a great gal. I'm Glenn ZB, not a great guy. Very flawed, in fact. But I will see you back here again tomorrow for another re-rack.